Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello and welcome to Let Me Tell You, a bespoke podcast series from the Irish Examiner with myself, Paul Hosford. In this series, we'll be taking a look at some of the most dramatic moments in recent Irish political history from the unique perspective of one of the key players. This week, we look at how in just eight months, Sinn Féin went from losing half of its council seats to claiming a seismic victory in the 2020 general election. From the low of May 2019, Sinn Féin has since become one of the three large parties in the Dáil and has set new polling records in opinion polls. With me to discuss the party's bounce back is party spokesperson on enterprise, trade and employment, Dublin Fingal TD, Louise O'Reilly. Louise, very welcome. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Not at all. We're going to get to the gap between 2019 and, and 2020 in a bit. But if we go back to 2016, that's when, when you were elected, it's kind of when, when Sinn Féin as a as a political force, the way they are now, kind of came to fruition. We have a, we have a clip. Clearly, Fianna Fáil uh, drove the country over the cliff. Uh, the bus fell off the wheels, whatever way you wish to describe it. And they said one thing Saturday, said another Sunday, said another Monday. It could be something different tomorrow, you know. Uh, there is an alternative to this bad government and to the three main establishment parties. They're every day becoming closer in their cosy consensus, their very smug consensus. Was it a good election for Sinn Féin? It was a very good election for Sinn Féin. We went from 14 seats. We're now, as we speak, sitting in 22 seats. That's at least 60% increase in our representation. We have uh, developed our vote fourfold. We've also got a huge spread. There, there are very few regions in the state that there aren't uh, Sinn Féin TDs elected. And if they weren't elected this time, they sure are going to be elected the next time if they continue with the work that they're doing. So we're going to go back with a, an increased team. Louise, if we go back to, to 2016, Sinn Féin gained nine seats. Uh, that was Jerry Adams speaking afterwards. When, when it was 22, it became 23, uh, yourself included. Uh, you increased the vote share to 13.8%. At that time, did, did you feel overall that the party had hit Expectations? Were you disappointed? What 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 was the feeling after twenty sixteen? I think the feeling was we'd done well. Um, we knew like we knew that there was a, a definite swing against the, uh, the the government parties. I think that was that was kind of obvious to everybody from you know from 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 fairly early on. And uh, I think yeah, it was it, it was seen it was, it was certainly yeah it was a good election for us. I mean there there were there were some areas where maybe it hit the crossbar a little bit. But as Jerry said in that clip, you know, you were laying the foundation so you knew that you were going to be in a good position, um, you know, whether to be another election. And if you cast your mind back to that time and if you remember when, you know, how, how volatile things were, there was a possibility that there was going to be another election. It seems very remote now, uh, looking back, because there was four years of government that came after it. But actually, at that time, there was a very real possibility that we could uh, that we could be bounced into an election. You know, in in the case where a government couldn't be formed, or 
um, you know, because there was ongoing talks, they went on for a very, very long time. So, you know, there, there was that prospect that, you know, there was going to be another election very quickly and the feeling that we would have done um, even better in that. But no, the, the, definitely we knew we had had a, a decent election. Absolutely. Your own selection was quite interesting because there was talk of you being put into in, into Dublin Fingal as, as it is now to essentially take out James Riley. Uh, he had been the, the Minister for Health. He was the Minister for Children at the time. Does that speak to either where Sinn Féin's ambitions were at that time or does it speak to a weariness with the Fine Gael Labour Coalition or, or, or is it both? Well, I think there... Um there wasn't any talk, actually, of me taking out James, James Riley in the run-up to the election. That was chatter that happened after the election. Um, nobody said it to me in the run into the election. Um, I did a, a fair amount of media interviews and, and, and it wasn't put to me in that way. I don't think that people were thinking necessarily that a voter would switch from Fine Gael to, uh, to, to Sinn Féin. As it was, uh, James Riley lost his seat and I took the last seat. Um, I took the last seat in a five-seater. So that's the, the very essence of not being complacent. Uh, and I'm not, <laughs> and I wouldn't be, and I'm not now. Um, and you shouldn't ever be in politics. It's, it's, the, it's the wrong way to be. But I think the, you know, we were ambitious, definitely, going into that 2016 election. It was my first time, so I, I'm, I'm not necessarily qualified to, to talk about uh, previous runs out because it was my first time to ever put my name forward for any elected position, actually, as it goes. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, that, that, I think, yeah, there, there was an ambition there, definitely. And we could see that there was uh, that there was a lot of potential there, and you could see that potential then in the in the doll and you know with the front bench when uh, when the government was finally formed and our, our front bench was appointed. I think you could see that we were definitely ambitious, but I don't think we. If you're asking me, did we go in with a strategy to take out James Riley? No, uh, we didn't. Um, that wasn't the strategy. The strategy was to go and try and talk to our voters. Like I spent a full year in um, Fingal knocking doors. Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursday nights and all day Saturday and that was my uh, that was my beat as well as my full time job as a, as a union organiser in SIPTU which was fairly demanding but I did that to try to get to know the constituency, get to know the people and let people get to know me um, and on the back of that we, we had an idea, there was a seat there alright but we had to go out and, and mine for those votes and, and go out and talk to people face to face, so it, it took a long time but my thought was to get as many votes as I could, not to target any one particular. You know, the, the government were already um, hugely in the firing line. You could see that um, that was happening. The, the, it was pretty obvious where it was going to go for the for the two government parties. You, you've touched on it there previously. The negotiations about forming a government in 2016 took a long time. And when it, when it did become uh, the, the minority government that we know, it was the confidence and supply agreement between Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. How much of a bonus was that for Sinn Féin? Because you effectively staked your claim as the official opposition in, in a lot of ways. Was that was there was there talk of this being kind of a, a gift to Sinn Féin in a lot of ways? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, when you have the party that's supposed to be the party of opposition supporting the government, I mean, remember we're going to talk about twenty nineteen in a while. There were two, um, if my memory serves, there were two confidence motions in uh, twenty nineteen both about ministers who were not doing well at all in their brief by any measure at all, um, Simon Harris and, and Owen Murphy, because 2019, as we know, is the, the year when homelessness figures got over 10,000. So there were two uh, confidence motions there and Fianna Fáil abstained on those. Now, that was I, I think that was difficult for them. Um, I think the one on, on housing was especially difficult for them, given the, the way the figures were going. Um, but 
like they effectively absented themselves as opposition. So it wasn't so much a gift to us that they took themselves out and there was a gap there to be filled. And, and you know, Sinn Féin was more than, um, more than equal to the task of filling it, I think. Uh, and I suppose electorally or even from in terms of as a party, did you feel like you got more, uh, I suppose, more, more attention, more media attention, more uh, traction with the public because you, you were the ones on... on the opposition well, benches we were who were shouting loudest. Yeah, we were the only ones offering an alternative. That's the that's that's the thing. There, there, were, there was broad agreement on policy. And you can see now the, the, the ease with which Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael sit together in government. Um, they agree on policy terms. It's very often what you read when there's dissent. It's usually about personalities, but they agree broadly on policy terms and that became more and more obvious. Um, Sinn Féin had alternatives to the, the, the Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael consensus and we did get an opportunity to, to showcase those. But I don't know if we if we got more or less media. I mean, we got more media attention by virtue of the fact that we were a bigger party and that's how that works. And, you know, you will know that better than I do. Um, but we also, so I, but I don't know how that compares to the previous job because I wasn't, I wasn't in the previous job, so I don't know. But we, there was a gap there for an opposition party because there was so much consensus between the uh, the parties formerly known as the two big parties. Um, and when, when they agreed so much, I think the public wanted to see if there was an alternative and if there, you know, if there was an alternative, what was that alternative? What did it look like? What did it sound like? Um, what would it mean for health, for housing, for all of the big questions that people had on their minds? So I think the gap was created by the two parties formerly known as the big ones. And uh, we went in and, and filled that gap. Just 18 months then after the, the general election, there was a major shift in, in your party, something that people probably hadn't uh, foreseen for a long, long time uh, finally came to pass. Republicanism has never been stronger. This is our time. We will grow even stronger in the future. But leadership means knowing when it's time for change. And that time is now. I will not be standing for the doll in the next election. Under Gerry Adams' leadership, Sinn Féin has become not only the largest nationalist party in Northern Ireland, but the third largest group here in the Irish Doyle or Parliament. And they're hoping to be in government here in the not-so-distant future. When Martin McGuinness was buried, Gerry Adams carried his coffin. So too did Mary Lou MacDonald, who officially becomes Sinn Féin's new leader on Saturday. Her challenge now is to broaden the party's appeal to a younger generation that never knew the troubles. Ireland is changing. A new and better Ireland is emerging. To those who are impatient for equality and progress, I say this is your time. This is your home. This is your Ireland. Sinn Féin is your party. So let us seize the day. Together, let us build a new, united Ireland. Gurumila Mahagavakorja, up the Republic, and Fablak Abu. The resignation of, of Gerry Adams was probably something that a lot of people couldn't imagine. Uh, a, a Sinn Féin without Gerry Adams, Gerry Adams not being the, the president of, of Sinn Féin. What was the reaction internally once once word spread around November 2017? Were you surprised? Were you worried about the, the future of the party? I know we weren't worried. Um, yeah, I suppose there was a bit of surprise. But like, you know, we knew Jerry wasn't going to lead the party forever. Um, we knew that, uh, that that the time would come when uh, he was going to get 
Now I'm saying going to get a well-earned rest, but anyone who follows him on social media knows it's anything but a well-earned rest. But anyway, he might have had it, an idea in his head at the time that he was getting a well-earned rest. But we could see that 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 uh, you know there was there was going to be a generational change, and and, and that that change was going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, it, the, the same as with anything, you know, when it was finally announced, I think it was uh, it, it was a surprise for people. Even though, as I say, we knew he wasn't going to lead the party forever, but it's still, yeah, when, when once a date was put on it and, and a time frame established, yeah, I think there was. And there was, you know, obviously a huge outpouring in the party. Like I, I was at that Ardesh and I mean, we didn't leave the, the hall for hours after it, people queuing up to, to shake Jerry's hand and, you know, to, to wish him well and, and you know, to just see that, that kind of which would be expected, obviously, at our own Ardesh. But like, yeah, so there, there was and, and, you know, people were... I suppose they were, yeah, we, we weren't surprised, but it seems with all these things. When it happened, it was a surprise, if you know what I mean, even though it was it was somewhat expected. You were you were at the, the Jerry Adams Ardash, you were on the top table then when uh, Mary Lou MacDonald gave her, gave her speech in Belfast. But there was no election there. Was there ever any kind of thought to, to anyone else running? Was there any, any chatter within the party that, that somebody else might, might challenge for the leadership? Well, I had the uh, the honour of seconding uh, Mary Lou's nomination. Um, I think that anyone that knows me would have known pretty well who I was going to support. So it's unlikely if there was chatter that that would have come my direction anyway. Um, I don't think there was. Mary Lou was, was pretty much the, the front runner. But as I say, if that was going on, there was nobody going to be talking to me about it because they, they'd most likely know there was no point. <laughs> you, you mentioned the, the generational change there. Was there ever any worry of, about that? Because I suppose Sinn Féin, in, in a lot of ways now, is, is a coalition between people who would have been, I suppose, what you would call traditional Republicans or, or, or people who are kind of more dyed-in-the-wool Republicans and then people who are of the left, mostly around urban areas in, in, in the Republic of Ireland. Was there ever any worry about Mary Lou Macdonald being able to hold together that, that coalition? Well, there's left Republicans as well, Paul. So. Oh, no, of course there are <laughs> I'm left, joking, left I'm Republicans. Joking, I'm joking. No, um, no, I don't think so. Um, I don't recall there being there being a worry. But like any all kind, any change is difficult. Do you know? I mean, you, you, like you have to you have to manage change. You know, people maybe sometimes they're a bit resistant to change. But uh, no, I, I don't remember there being a, there being a worry about it. I think you know, people were very familiar with Mary Lou. You know, I mean, she was the, the, the last Uke they on for, for years and people would have known her. She was a very prominent figure, not just within the party, but a very prominent figure in the Irish media as well and very well known. So I, I don't think people were kind of worried about, well, what's she going to be like? Cause we knew what she was going to be like because people had been working with her for years. Her first electoral challenge was, was the 2018 presidential election. Sinn Féin lost about half of its vote share in that uh, with, with Leah Nierita. What, what, what went wrong there or, or what, what happened? I think we underestimated uh, how popular Michael D. Higgins was. Um, I think that's fair to say. Uh, it wasn't a good election. I, I you know, I, I have it somewhere, if I dig it out, I have a degree in English, but I'm not going to be able to find the words to say, uh, to, to mix it up otherwise and, and make, it, uh, make it a good election. It wasn't. Um, Daniel, I think you and I were on... Um, News talk the morning after uh, with it. I did the, the first round of media. It wasn't the most pleasant round of media I've ever had to do in my life, I'll be honest. But uh, it, it, it was done. I mean, it, it was what it was. We had underestimated how popular the incumbent was. And we had to learn from that. Does that mean that you should have run a more high-profile high candidate? Should you, should you have stayed out of the whole thing altogether? 
No, I don't think we should have stayed out of the whole thing. I mean, we had a discussion um, and, uh, and and there was a fairly robust discussion about why we should or shouldn't contest the election. And the feeling was that we should contest the election because it is an electoral contest and we shouldn't voluntarily take ourselves out of, of electoral contests. But... Um, yeah, we had we had seriously underestimated how just how popular the incumbent was, and the fact that it, it wouldn't have been possible. Um, I don't think for well, I don't I don't know, for, but I don't think it would have been possible for for any candidate from any party to to, to catch Michael D. And does that kind of indicate that maybe Leonie Rita hit her ceiling at, at around ninety thousand votes? Was was that all you were ever going to get? I don't think so. I don't. It's hard to know. Um, with a different set of candidates and a different election, you're going to get a different outcome. But sure, you know, we could be all day speculating about that. Um, I think the, as I say, the the, the incumbent uh, was hugely, hugely popular, and that became very apparent once the election campaign started. And then a, cu- a couple of months later was the was the next election campaign, the the 2019 locals, local and Europeans. We have, we have a clip of that. Brian, thank you very much. And I'm joined here in the RDS by the president of Sinn Féin, Mary Lou MacDonald. You're very welcome. Thank you for thank taking you, the time to join us. You've already said today you're disappointed at what seems to be emerging when it comes to the local elections. How disappointed are you? I have seen some analysis today which has said the tide has gone out on Sinn Féin. Well, look, five years ago we had a Sinn Féin surge. We trebled our local authority seats. We won 100 extra seats and it was a great day out for us. And our objective in this campaign was to hold that. And unfortunately, we haven't managed to hold all of those uh, additional seats. We'll hold many of them, but not all. So, of course, it's disappointing. I mean, anybody who fights an election campaign um, who's an activist knows the level of effort that candidates, that party activists, that their families put in. And, of course, it's disappointing, particularly for people who have served their communities over the last five years and who wanted to continue that work. On a personal level, I feel that for them. But I also would say this, that we're activists, that elections come, elections go, you have good days out, you have challenging days out. And at the end of each, you, you learn, you reflect, you dust yourself down and you get back to business. 78 council seats lost, you know, vote chair down 5.6 percentage points, just one European seat won. What went wrong in, in May 2019? Well, I think... Um uh, yeah, that was a bad day. I was actually with, um, I was standing beside Mary Lou when she did that that interview and um, it was a very sombre day in the RDS, most definitely, and in the count centres. Um, we, yeah, and, and what she said there was right, you know, the, the effort that people put in and, and, and you see this, you, you cover election campaigns, the toll that it takes on your family, you know, and it, it was a, it was a, a very, a very disappointing day, absolutely. As to what went wrong, um, well, let me look at just for a moment at the thing that did actually sort of go right. Okay, so we lost a lot of really good people, really, really good, hardworking councillors, but we didn't lose them as activists. So they didn't, they we, they lost their seat. But I mean, I can talk about Maliki Quinn, who was a very hardworking councillor uh, based in in Balbriggan in North County Dublin. He lost his seat, but within two weeks, he was back out wrapping doors with me. Um, we did not lose them, any of them, as activists. So there was a positive out of that. They, you know, it, 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 and I'm not saying that it, there, was, there was not many positives, right? So you'll, you'll indulge me to find one or two, I'm sure. Um, so that, that was a positive. They, those people stayed with us. They stayed with us as activists. And as Mary Lou said, we are activists. We're an, we're an active party. Um, I don't think we got our vote out. 
uh, I don't think we uh, we did enough because if you fast forward just a couple of months to the by-election in Dublin Midwest, there was a very targeted campaign to get our vote out. And when we focused on getting our vote out, we did get the vote out. But we didn't have that kind of campaign. And we had people who'd been working away. Uh, they'd been doing very good work, but maybe they hadn't been doing that thing of knocking on all the doors and saying, well, I got you that cross. And, and people thought their work would speak for itself. Their presence in the community would speak for itself. The fact that they were always around would speak for itself. And we didn't do enough to enthuse our voters to get them to come out. And there was, and, and I know this from talking to people up in Balbriggan, there was a perception that, well, sure, Maliki was always there and he'll always be there and he'll always be, and he is active, he says, and that's the thing. And, there, you know, even though he's not a councillor anymore, he's still uh, every bit as active in his own community. So, like, we would have had that... Um, yeah, <laughs> we're thinking about it now. It, we didn't... We had a message, and I don't know that we sold it well, and... We also didn't impress on our voters enough how important it was for them to come out. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. For us. There was, a, there was a swing to the left as well. The Greens had, had, had their surge in 2019, just the way Sinn Féin had, had theirs in, in 2014. But a lot of the Green surge focused on, on the environment, it focused on a broader national issue. Do you think that maybe, uh, I suppose, Sinn Féin's focus on being that local activist, on, on having that local activism, maybe missed the, misread the room or missed the, the national mood in, in 2019? I think there was a number of factors. Um, I certainly never characterised the Green Party as a left party, Paul, but that's maybe just my, my politics. But um, there were a number of factors there. That was one of them, um, that there, there was a party with a single issue um, and a very clear and uh, very clear message. And, you know, we maybe didn't have that and we didn't have that level of coherence, which, you know, looking back on, we probably should have had. Uh, and, and maybe tighter messaging. But again, you know, we had a lot of really hard working councillors and, and I noticed, I, I saw them, I mean, be, between Dara and, and, and Anne and and, uh, and Maliki, I would have seen it in my own area, but I saw it right across the board. They were very, very hard working, but they weren't doing that kind of knocking on people's doors and going, aren't you glad you have me now because look what I got for you. They were allowing the work to speak for itself. Um, and again, yeah, the, any, any party with a, with a single issue is a very clear and easy to understand, uh, very clearly defined message. But um, yeah, the, the, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a good day for us to so dispute. It. Was there was there any surprise within the party about how bad it actually turned out to be? Yeah, um, I think there was. Um, and, and because if you actually look at the results, we came very, very close in a huge number of seats. So when when we lost, it was down to the final count and, and it was that way. I know in my own area, I, I was in the RDS, it was that way for a lot of seats. So it was the, you know, it came down to a handful of votes in an awful lot of cases. It wasn't that we were, we didn't lose massive support, but what we lost was just the capacity to, those key votes to get people out. I mean, look at it, the end of the day, they're the votes that matter, the ones that you, you didn't get where you, where you hit the crossbar. But we did hit the crossbar. It wasn't like, 
you know, we didn't, we didn't, we lost votes. Absolutely, we didn't get our vote out. Uh, you know, we'll we'll hold our hands up to that. But there wasn't. There, there was a lot of areas where we came very, very close. So in that, when you know it's going to be tight, but you're still in with a shout. And you know, there were there were candidates all over who were right. They were in count centres till two, three o'clock in the morning because we were still in with a shout for the last seat and nobody knew where that was going to go. And I was involved in some of those counts. There, there were others all over the country involved in, in, uh, in those counts as well. And they were they were tight. So you wouldn't necessarily see that. If you're still in the shake-up at the very last minute for, uh, for a seat, you don't know that you're not going to get it until you know pretty close to the final declaration. A lot of other parties would, at this point, maybe be questioning the leadership after the, those results rolled in. Was there ever any murmurings in, in Sinn Féin about Mary Lou Macdonald's leadership? No, there wasn't. Um, and as I say, if there, if there was, I didn't hear it. But I don't know, there wasn't. I mean, we recognised that we had made mistakes um, and that we had had a bad day out um, at, the, at the local and European elections. There was no dispute in that. But the the message from Mary Lou, and you heard it there, was we're a party of activists. You know, the, we, we had a surge five years previous to that um, and we, you know, we were experiencing the opposite end of a surge uh, five years on. But, um, I mean, Mary Lou was fairly determined. You can hear it there in her voice. Yes, uh, it was a bad day out for us. We, we, you know, you couldn't but be disappointed with the result. But we were going to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and go again and, and go again, we did. You touched on the... the Dublin Midwest by election in November 2019. Mark Ward won the won the seat there. Was there any sense there that that was a harbinger for what might come in in February 2020, or was it seen as just a, a well run by election campaign? Hmm. I think the there was a, there was a lot of people saying, "Well, look at now that just proves when we get our vote out, we can get our vote out, and that's what we need to do." So there's people saying that, but you know, like if you go back to Christmas 2019. In Leinster House, I think everybody was nervous. Do you know, uh, be, like we, we knew there was going to be an election. I mean, much at all as the uh, the government were talking themselves up, uh, the dogs in the street knew an election was coming. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was pretty obvious there was going to be an election, and naturally, you're nervous because you're thinking about what had what had happened previously. Obviously, you think looking at at the, the the local election results and thinking, Jesus, you know, how how is this going to go? Um, but the the boost that we got from Mark Ward's election can't be uh, can't be underestimated. It, it was it was a huge boost to us, and actually it proved the message. And it was always Jerry's message, and now it's Mary Lou's message, which is our vote is there. If we can get our vote out, we need to keep in touch, stay rooted in our communities, stay relevant, and go back to people when we need their support. And get them out. So when we go and we get our vote out, that you know when we make that concerted effort, and that proved that because that's what we we had done in in Dublin Midwest. Practic- and also with the right candidates. Sorry, I don't want that's a, you know you have to be you could get your vote out in you know twenty seven days a week, but if you don't have the right candidate, that's not going to work for you. So yeah, we you know with the, with the right candidate as well. Practically, what's the what's the difference there? Is it is it just an effort on the doors? Is it is it reminding people to get out and vote? Is it is it something as simple as as giving people lifts to the polling stations oh, what it's is all of that it's all of that and it's reminding people that if they don't come out and vote for us well then say in my case 
like the office I have in Balbriggan will close and the office I have in Swords will close because it's only there because I get support from the people that I'm um, fortunate enough to, to represent. So it's explaining to people that your your vote is important because you're actually casting your vote for a community activist. You're casting your vote for change, someone who will be a strong voice for you and letting people know that you will be that vehicle for them but that the you know you need to they need to come out for you as well and it's not that our, our voters were complacent but when you come as a community activist and you're active there and you're in your own community you know the people sometimes don't make the distinction between getting elected and not getting elected then you've got to go and, and talk to people where they're at and let them see that you won't just turn up for them when you're looking for a vote I mean I'll give you an example I did a I'm not going to name the person right but I did a piece of media um, on the Thursday before the 2020 election. Remember, the election was on Saturday. And I spoke to uh, somebody, a, a fairly prominent TD in another uh, party, one of the two formerly known as the two big parties. And uh, this person told me that they were winding up. It's Thursday afternoon. They're like, well, look at as, as much as can be done has been done now. There's not an awful lot more we can do at this stage. And I got into the car driving home and I rang my husband and I said, geez, I said... I don't know how this person is so relaxed. I don't know how they're so relaxed. I mean, I still have to get back to people in this estate, in that estate, and I'm listing off us, and we still didn't go back to this place, and we've got to go back there, and we're not doing the trains tomorrow morning, we're going to go up and do the trains tomorrow morning, and we're doing the get out the vote on Saturday, and we're da, 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 da. and I had loads and loads of stuff that I still had to do. And I rang my husband and I said, I, I, I think, are we after missing a trick on this? Because these people all seem very chill about their position and very chill. I was still at that so, stage. So you were worried that you'd kind of done the wrong work rather than them not done enough? No, I was worried that they had somehow managed to cover more ground than I had. I couldn't figure that out because I had a much bigger team uh, and I had teams based in, in uh, all over Fingal. I had a bigger team than they had, but they just had a very, like a relaxed attitude to it. They were like, well, we've done enough now. You know, it's Thursday afternoon, not an awful lot more we can do between now and when the polls open. Whereas I was focused on, okay, we literally have this many hours left and we need to get up and get out and stay at it. And we stayed at it and we stayed offering people lifts to the polling stations, you know, really encouraging people to come out and vote. And we stayed doing that until, uh, and I remember the day of that election, it was horrible. It was raining, it was cold, it was awful. And we still stayed out wrapping doors till I'd say probably about half seven, quarter to eight, and then we, we called it a day. You mentioned that the dogs on the street knew in December that a, an election was going to be called. The election was called a couple of weeks later, uh, and here's how it went. This morning I informed the Cabinet that I'll ask the President to dissolve the 32nd Dáil. I'll travel to the Irish to do so this afternoon. I've always said that the election should happen at the best time for the country. Now is that time. I'm not voting for anyone, just stay in bed, yeah? No, you have to go up and vote, vote for Sinn Féin, yeah? As the election campaign reaches its climax, join us for Primetime The Leaders' Debate. Leo Varadkar and Micheál Martin go head-to-head -head on Primetime in a bid to win your vote. They'll debate the big issues facing the country and try to convince you that their policies are the ones to address them. Obviously, this uh, election was all about change. Uh, Sinn Féin went to the people and and we convinced them in very, very large numbers that we are the alternative, that we are the vehicle for change. Once policies and principles don't change overnight, and that for any government to sustain 
the policy platform has to be coherent. There has to be uh, synergy. What I said during the campaign and what my party said in the campaign uh, wasn't a tactic or a strategy. It was what we honestly believed. Uh, and for us, a coalition with Spain is not an option. It's always eight months in the difference. Mm -hmm. uh, you go from the low of, of May 2019 to what happened in, in early February 20, 2020. What actually changed? Was it? You've touched on this idea of getting out the vote, but was there anything else? Was it, was it just grassroots organisation or was there a, a conversation at, the, at a higher part of the party? Well, it was grassroots organisation and that was a huge factor. Um, and it's not something that gets, you know, headlines. It's not very... Uh, it's not very flash, you know, m meeting in rooms at, at, at you know, in, in offices at six o'clock, half six. Right. Who has the leaflets? Right. Where are we doing now? Yep. Go on. Let's get out. You know, that's but that bread and butter work that that that's, you know, that continues and it has to be done. So that, that was a huge element to it. And I think we, we sort of changed our messaging somewhat. Um, we didn't change our policies because our policies were, were the same. But instead of leading with the critique of the government, we would have come out with our own solutions. So I was the party spokesperson on health in the last all. And instead of going out and describing to people what the waiting lists were like, which I didn't need to do because, um, you know, uh, the, the, the numbers on, on the lists were getting close to a million. So there wasn't a person really that didn't understand what it was like to be on a hospital waiting list. What I did instead was I said, well, look, at here's Colista. This is our um, single integrated waiting list management system. Uh, it, you know, this is our proposal. This is our alternative. This is what we think could and should be done. This is what we think would work. And if you gave us a chance, this is the type of policy that we uh, that we would like to see implemented. And, you know, we that policy was there. I, mean, I, I use that as an example. It was, it, it's long-standing well, party is, policy. Is that kind of a, an idea that the, the entire campaign became more positive, more policy focused rather than maybe the 2019 being about the government isn't doing well vote for us mm -hmm. yeah I think it was more much more policy focused definitely and then you know I think the other thing was the people got to see the team that were behind uh, Mary Lou so it wasn't all focus on the leader although in any election campaign it is serious serious focus on the leader you know you heard that there with the the, the leadership debates from, from which they excluded my own party leader um, and that mistake was subsequently corrected, uh, much to our benefit, I think. But uh, that's shin scale, as they say. But uh, no, I think the what we got a chance then to, to showcase our team. And, you know, I mean, um, Leo Varadkar had said that he'd, he'd come out and he'd said, well, look, at, here's my team, you know, and he's naming all his ministers and here's my here's the lads that are going to be with me. And, you know, Michal was kind of looking around trying to put a team together and whatever else. And then Mary Lou was like, OK, well, I have a team and here's here's the team that are behind me. And people got to see um, what a, what we would do uh, if we got the chance to, the to govern. The, the personalities, the likes of yourself in health and Owen O'Brien and housing, you, you feel like people were able to kind of connect with the issues through... Through party spokespeople, uh, absolutely, and and uh, and and Kathleen Function and Donica O'Leary, and you know that pe let people see that there's a layer, that there was a layer of of, of um, you know like a front bench there ready, and that we had uh, you know solutions that we had looked at a different way of managing, um, well, not a different because it's not about managerialism. We looked at a different way of uh, you know delivering for people, and we looked at a different way 
an alternative, an actual real worked out alternative to the, the politics of the, 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 the sitting government. And we went out to people and said, well, look, there's so obviously people will be very, very familiar with Mary Lou and with Pierce. And then we said, well, look, OK, so there's other people there. We have a front bench and these are our policies. And I think we were able to show a very strong uh, front bench team. And I think that stood to us. You, you, you mentioned, you said it was a, a, another story, but it was actually my next question. Uh, how important were, were some of the things that we heard in that clip, uh, Mary Lou being ex- excluded initially from the from the prime time leaders debate, um, the, the kind of the internet memory around things uh, that Darren Conway skit went, went viral, had uh, a couple of hundred thousand views in, in the end, maybe even more, uh, just about, you know, vote for Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin are getting us all gaffes, that kind of thing. The Guardian wrote a piece afterwards where they talked about the the impact of of something like TikTok on the on the election, where young people were spurred by viral TikToks to to go out and vote. How how important was it? Was it this just the confluence of everything? Kind of every breaking ball went for went for Sinn Fein in a way. Aside from your own internal party party work. And that'd be brilliant, though, if you could just sit back and go, we'll just wait for the, every breaking ball going our way, lads. Let's just let's just abandon campaigning and start praying instead. No, you can't. You, you've got to put a lot of effort into like the result that we got. We didn't get for nothing. Oh, we, no, but was there, was there a sense? We got off the back of, of, of uh, a lot of campaigning. But was there the a sense in the, in the party that this stuff is, is going for us, you know, you know. Ah, you it, could see that. No, no, you could, you could get that on the doors. The, there was, the, there was positivity um, there, absolutely. And I don't know if, if you were at the, uh, the demonstration that left from Parnell Square uh, for early childhood educators and, and childcare workers. And like we went out to that, I was uh, blown away by the reception that Mary Lou got. We came out of, uh, we came out and around, and there was just hundreds of women around. They were chanting her name, and uh, they were looking for selfies, and they were, and, and you could see it in things like that. But then. And in the middle of an election campaign, everything is about the vote. I mean, it's at the end of the day, you know, people can be nice to you. And if you knock on doors as much as I do, you know, people are basically polite. You know, they're not going to run you off the door. They're going to smile, take the leaflet and you walk away thinking, geez, I don't know if they would vote for me now or not. But sometimes you can't get that. You can't get that from people. That was a very real manifestation of it. And we saw it that day and it was kind of like, Okay, geez, maybe there's something here, you know, maybe the, maybe this is uh, maybe this is turning and you could feel it. You could get a sense of it, but you never trust that. You know, you, I mean, the only thing you trust is to is, you know, the mark on the ballot paper at the end of the day. That's the only thing you can trust. But um, there was a sense that, yeah, that we were um, that. Yeah, that there was a bit of positivity there and that, that there was a that was a momentum um, starting to pick up. There was, there was a lot of marks on a lot of ballot papers when results day came around. Donna O'Leary was the first TD elected and then nine of the 10 highest first preference uh, getters were were members of Sinn Féin. Only Michael Healy Ray uh, interrupts that list. Denise Mitchell uh, led the country with 21,000. But among all of that, there was a discussion about why Sinn Féin ran so few candidates. Um, there was talk of, of candidates still being deselected three weeks beforehand. Was Sinn Féin ready for this election? And we were. Um, we had the policies, we had the, uh, we had the personnel, we had the campaign. Um, I but don't if you think only ran had, forty-two candidates, no, no, did no, you have the personnel? That we we were ready for the we were ready for the campaign. All right, I don't think we were ready for the extent of the success. I mean, and look at as I said, I'd be an agent if I was sitting here saying, "Oh, we anticipated it," but we, you know, we just didn't. Like, come on, you know, <laughs> you know, and I know, like you can see that we didn't anticipate the level of support, but it became 
fairly obvious from almost like I would say the second or the third day of the campaign that that support was there for us and you could feel it start to pick up and you could feel that momentum starting to build. Did you feel in in the party then once you you realised that that momentum did you think we've missed a trick here by by only running 42 candidates? In the middle of an election campaign no Um, because you don't think about that you think about who has the leaflets what time am I meeting them at do I have to go into town to do uh, to, 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 to do media? Do I have to come back out? What time are we meeting? Are we doing the trains this morning? Have I got enough clothes to keep me warm in the freezing cold? Those are the things you think about in the middle of an election. But um, And by that stage, look, we had the candidates that we had selected and the key was to get as many of those elected as we possibly could. And I think we did get as many of those elected as we, as we possibly could. Um, in fact, we got almost all, not quite all, but almost all of them elected. So, you know, it was... You got that sense that there was, as I say, the momentum picking up, but you wouldn't be complacent about it either. You still, as I say, I mean, I kept working right till the very last. We all did because um, you can't take your vote for granted. When you when you mentioned that kind of anticipation of the level of support, do you think back to some of the, the stories that you heard on the day Patricia Ryan was, was away on holidays, Violet Ann Wynne was only uh, selected a couple of weeks beforehand and had only got a couple of hundred votes in the in the council uh, elections the year before. Uh, I think jo- Johnny Mytham was the same, ended up with about 19,000. 19, I mean, uh, afterwards, did you all kind of stand around and, and think, what just happened there? <laughs> no, I don't think we did. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It, yeah, it was, you know, it, was a, it was a good feeling, like it was a good it was a good day out for us. You know, we had experienced, you know, like, we were just talking about 2019 and about the local election. Like we had experienced uh, a bad day out. So when we had a good day out, we really appreciated it. Um, we, yeah, it did, it did come as, I, I, I suppose it came as a shock in, in, in some respects, but you could feel it, you could feel it starting to happen. I think for individual TDs, it's different. So you can look at the, you get quite, and I say, I've only ever fought two election campaigns, right? but you get quite blinkered and quite focused on your, your, your own area because you have to be because, you know, that, that's the job in hand at that time. So I think you're kind of looking broadly and you see the results coming in and you're thinking, Jenny, this is great. But, I mean, and we obviously we saw the exit poll the night before, but I'm, I'm a bit, um, I'm, not a, I'm not a pessimist, right, but I, I'm an optimist with experience. So I, I tend to be a little bit, which is I wouldn't take anything for granted. Even that night, um, the, the exit poll was announced and, my husband, my husband was my DOE. I could see him kind of sitting back on it. Well, that's the job done. And I was like, oh, God, you know, but I said, that's just an average, Kieran. You know, that might not translate for us. And he's like, oh, it's just relax, will you? Um, so, yeah, maybe, I, maybe I'm not the best person for this. <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to focus at all on me at all. But, yeah, no, we did when, when the results were in and uh, when we saw the extent of it and, and when we met and we reflected on it. Yeah, we, we, we were... It, not shocked, but yeah, it, it was it was a very pleasant uh, it was a very pleasant surprise to see that we had succeeded in so many constituencies. And then the call a day, were you thinking we left seats on the table there? Of course, um, of course. You know, you could see that there there were areas. I mean, there was I think there, there was one area where there wasn't a Sinn Fein candidate where people were writing Sinn Fein on the bottom of the ballot paper. So yeah, I mean, I, I'd I'd be an agent now if I if I thought you should believe. No, we were fine with that. We absolutely knew. No, because we're looking at areas where we could have had. We got one candidate elected. I mean, Denise Mitchell being a case in point. You know, the the highest vote of any. Uh, of any TD uh, and there were plenty who could quite comfortably and easily uh, have brought a run and mate in but 
like you have to celebrate the success as well. You know, you, you, you couldn't like there were so many people who, who got elected, really, really good people who'd been activists for a very long time. Some of whom had, as you say, lost their council seats. But there were so many of those. It was hard not to be pleased and, and happy with the result. And you see, you know, you're looking around and thinking, Jenny, you know, there'd be, you know, a good few more of us now in the doll. And, and you know, that, that was that was a that was a good thing. Yeah, we, we, we were we, you were pleased. I mean, of course you were like you couldn't not be. And the, the obvious thing, yeah, we did leave seats behind us. We, we know that we did. And Mary Lou has spoken about this. Actually, she spoke about it down at our, our meeting uh, recently there in Liberty Hall. And she just said, look, the amount of people who have come and still to this day will come up to you in the street and go, are you going to run more candidates next time? And you, you get to the stage where you just have to stop trying to explain it or justify it. Just put your two hands in the air, palms facing out and go, right, lads, that's it. We will not make that mistake again. Shine. <laughs> One thing that it has done, you've 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 mentioned it uh, a number of times. Sinn Féin has, has mentioned it a number of times over the last two years. Is that the two larger parties uh, historically are now uh, two of the three mid-sized parties in in the doll. What that does for Sinn Féin, though, is it, it, it readjusts your expectations. Uh, you're polling really well in the, in the opinion polls. You're now expected to be at least part of the, the next government, if not uh, the outright leaders of of the next government. What would be a, a good election for Sinn Féin if, if an election was called for next week? Well, to maintain and to consolidate the position that we have in the polls now, um, that would be a very good, uh, that would be a very good election for us. Um, to have a campaign that was fought on policy um, would be a very, very good uh, election campaign for us because we'd actually get a chance to have um, proper debates in relation to, to, to our policies and and to, to critique and, and engage with the policies of the two parties formerly known as the big ones. Um, uh, yeah, to, to maintain what we have in the polls. If you ask me for a number, I won't give you one because um, those numbers that you think, ah, sure, nobody will remember that. Everybody will remember it after the next election. So I don't. I wouldn't put a number on it. But the polling that we are seeing at the moment, and if you see, we are consolidating our position uh, at every stage. We, you know, there's the, you might step back a small bit, but you know. But those are not the polls that matter. Of course, there is only one poll that matters. You're sounding very like the Taoiseach here, that there's only one one poll that matters. But he's, you know, he's not wrong. You know, there is. But having said that, if we were able to maintain what we have in the polls at the minute uh, or close there to, that would be a very good day out for us. If we assume that the doll is going to be somewhere around 170 seats, will Sinn Féin be targeting an outright majority? But every party goes into an election targeting an outright majority. But you have you to have the to, candidates. Exactly. Have. And you want to maximise the numbers. So we haven't started the, uh, the, the the process of candidate selection as yet. Um, and we will be doing that. I think you'd be foolish not to, given what's going to happen um, on, on the 15th of December. I think everybody's kind of bracing themselves for maybe that not going well or, or maybe that not. It's very unusual. It's never happened before in the history of this state. So nobody knows how that's going to, to go. Um, it, it's quite a, an odd thing and, uh, that we would have a changeover by prior arrangement in that way. But sure, look, we'll see what happens with that. And we will start the process of candidate selection and we will run a sufficient number of candidates to ensure that we uh, we get the benefit from the vote um, and we won't be leaving any seats behind us next time. And then if you don't get a, a, a majority who in the doll might you might you be happy enough sitting with in, in coalition? 
I suppose you have to look at the numbers, you know. I mean, there might be people that you'd look at and think, yeah, I'd be comfortable enough in, in government with them, but if they don't bring the numbers, well, then sure. Uh, I mean, all the chats and cups of tea in the world wouldn't make any difference. It's got to be someone you could negotiate a programme for government with, um, a Republican programme for government, a, a programme for government focused on equality, uh, a programme that will deliver the change that we see that people really want. Um, and you've some of that comes down to numbers because it depends on how many numbers we have whether or not we're in the, the driving seat I hope we are um, and it'll be up to other parties then to see if they want to be part of a change agenda if they want to be part of a change government well then you know we've said we'll talk to anyone and we will um, we made that clear at the last election and we'll be making that clear I would imagine again our members will want us to talk to anyone they want to see us in government our supporters want to see us in government it behoves us to, to talk to uh, all and every party um, um, but I you wouldn't know till you till, till you see the numbers, what sort of negotiations those are going to be. I have some small experience as uh, negotiating wage agreements with employers. Um, it's down to strength. Uh, it's down to it's down to numbers, and you know, and also people that you can have uh, that you can have that discussion with, and that you can hammer out a, a program for government that will deliver the change agenda that uh, that that we have uh, at our core. Great. Well, thanks to Louise O'Reilly for being our guest today. The podcast is produced by myself, Paul Hosford, and, and Danny McConnell. On sound and editing today is Declan Conlon. Join us next time for another episode of Let Me Tell You from the Irish Examiner. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.